Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Bina Amanath. Hi, Keith. Pleasure to be here. Hi, Bina. And let me just give a really brief introduction to Bina. Bina is an award-winning senior digital transformation leader and has a ton of experience with artificial intelligence, otherwise known as AI, big data, and IoT, otherwise known as Internet of Things. Bina has a deep knowledge across e-commerce, finance, marketing, and telecom, retail, and pretty much the whole gamut of where technology sits. She's currently the global vice president for big data, AI, and innovation at HP Enterprise. So last week, I had talked about my trip to China, where I had been engaged with a lot of economic development activity with the U.S. Minority Business Agency. And I did want to say that there was a big breaking news story regarding a potential espionage with a server manufacturer in the United States called Supermicro with factories in China. And in a report by Bloomberg that was picked up by the Wall Street Journal, it had stated that Apple, Amazon, and up to 30 other large companies who use Supermicro servers had a secret server chip the size of a grain of rice embedded on the motherboards that could do nefarious things like pick up sensitive data, uh, watch internet traffic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one thing then was Supermicro, Amazon, and Apple all vehemently denied that there was any compromise systems which then became a larger story where the Department of Homeland Security also said that they too had no evidence of a server being compromised. And so Supermicro is a publicly traded stock. Their stock was going up and down each and every time a new piece of information was being shared. And just this week, uh, another company anonymously, a large teleco, which hired um, an Israeli-American cybersecurity firm with both former heads of security for the CIA, as well as the Israeli Mossad, have said, well, it might not have been a server the size of a grain of rice, but it is evidence of other tampering along the same types of characteristics that was originally reported in the Bloomberg study. Now, we, we don't know the definitive on this. All I will say is that these are cases of what's known as third-party risk, what I talk about often, that you are as a company, are trusting vendors and other partners in how to develop your products and that it's really incumbent on you to take all the safeguards necessary to make sure you're secure, as well as even if an Apple or an Amazon can't be sure of that, um, how can you? If you have any questions or comments on this particular issue, email us at info at svn.biz. And that's the news of the week. So welcome again, Bina. Thank you, Keith. Happy to be here. And one other thing I wanted to mention is Bina is the founder and chief executive officer of a nonprofit called Humans for AI. And Bina, thank you so much. What is Humans for AI? 
So Humans for AI is a nonprofit that I started last year, and it really began with the idea of, you know, we hear a lot about AI eliminating a lot of jobs, but I also know that AI is going to create a lot of new jobs. Um, so that was one data point, and the other data point was there's continuous uh, awareness and there's uh, a lack of women in tech. There's not enough diversity in technology. And I have seen two major technology waves, the internet and mobile, which had similar impact where it eliminated jobs, but it also created new jobs, right? And my uh, my concern is that we are on this third wave now where new jobs will get created. And if we don't proactively train more women to fill these new jobs, there will never be enough women in tech. So what Humans for AI does is to be able to get more women and minorities into tech by educating them about AI. And the way we do it is, you know, there's a number of channels, but the most important part is being able to explain AI in simple terms to a non-computer science person. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't expect these people to become uh, hardcore programming data scientists or data engineers, but even product managers or project managers, that that also adds value, right? And it is so important for AI, Keith, especially because you are you are aware of the kind of biases that can creep in, and and we need diversity in the development of AI. And today it doesn't exist, and it worries me a lot. And it, when I talk about diversity, oh yeah, I'm not talking just about gender diversity but getting people from different economic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. It's so important to have diversity in the development of AI and Humans for AI is really building out content and products which will help increase diversity in tech. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you know, we, we did a number of shows where we explained that in artificial intelligence at this point in time, there is the exact analogy to confirmation bias in humans, and we call it systemic biases, and there's takes many forms. So we don't have to go through all of them, but an example would be, I talked about how Microsoft had developed a Twitter bot called Tay. Yeah. And Tay <laughs> uh, only lived 24 hours before they killed Tay, and they had to kill Tay because within 24 hours, a group of ne'er-do-well hackers actually trained Tay to be both racist and misogynistic. Yep. And, and that's basically teaching a system tens of thousands, millions of times to be that way. And so it's really important as we talk about artificial intelligence, the fear that people have and the um, lack of trust that mm -hmm. we are very purposeful in how we train our systems. Yes, exactly. It's like you want to think about it. Uh, you know, this reality is that we all have our own biases. You have biases, I have biases. And uh, it, it's based on our, you know, experiences, our upbringing, our cultures. There's so many, you know, factors that go into it. But if it's only a certain category of people that's building these AI systems, the biases now is not at an individual level. It can just you know, be exponentially uh, very large and it can reach much more people and the impacts are much more bigger. So I, I think, you know, it's so important to be able to address those biases up front. And today the reality is we don't have enough people who understand AI to be able to help out. So that brings up a good point about how a Humans for AI got started. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the foundational principles in order for Humans for AI and people to engage with that? Yeah, so 
actually let me take a step back and tell sure. you how it got started okay. because i i had this idea about 3 4 years ago now and for me it was just so obvious that okay you know we need more women in tech and ai is going to create new jobs why don't we proactively train more women it just seemed to add up so i kept googling to see is there any companies any organization focused on solving the diversity problem by actually using ai and nobody was and that's how i said okay finally you know i just set it up on my own last year and uh, my hope is that um, you know it gains enough momentum that we can get more people more people educated about ai uh, so the foundational uh, idea around it is to really help uh, women and minorities who are in other professions educated about ai Um, the reason is today we are barely scratching the surface with AI products because there is so much low-hanging fruit that you know it is just a team of data scientists can go and build healthcare products or build education products, but it's still very early on. I know five years from now we're going to need domain experts deeply embedded in the AI development process, in the design, in the ideation of AI products for education. You're going to need a teacher. Sabina, so let me yeah. pause you right there. Because we have a lot more to discuss in the show, I'm joined with Bina Amanath, the CEO of Humans for AI, and we're talking about how artificial intelligence can both be a help, but also there's some fear in that. Uh, you're listening to Keith Kuhl, Silicon Valley Insider. For any information, email us at info@svn.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call one eight 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 two eight seventy eight forty six. That's eight 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 two eight S V I N. Now back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host Keith Koo. Hey, insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Bina Amanath, who is the global VP of Artificial Intelligence, Big Data, and IoT at HP Enterprise, as well as the founder and CEO of Humans for AI, a nonprofit um, here to empower. And, and educate people in um, artificial intelligence for minorities and women. Once again, Bina, thanks for being here. Thank you. So this week's question, and no better person than Bina to answer it, is two parts. What is artificial intelligence, and why do people fear it so much? So artificial intelligence is when we are able to use a machine. Our computer to be uh, able to emulate human intelligence. At this point, it is where we can actually use it to do some of the repeatable tasks that humans have to do. Some of the boring tasks that we have to do. Can we have AI uh, be able to fill those tasks for us? Why is there fear? Be- you just have to look at the media. There's also fear, but I'm an AI optimist. I believe that AI is going to make all of our lives better. But the reality is that just like any other technology, AI can be used for good or bad. It always depends on who's using it. So the same technology that can be used to do facial recognition to keep a mall secure can be used by bad actors to target certain people. So I think it all comes down to the technology. We also hear a lot of hype around the loss of jobs, and that creates a lot of fear among uh, people who are not associated with the technology, who don't understand the technology. And when you don't understand a technology and you're hearing that technology is going to take away your job, I think the fear is natural. And part of Humans for AI's charter is to actually make the technology understandable to a common person. <laughs> 
Thank you for the answer. And I think it's um, great that you mentioned the media. You know, I, I was born and raised in the United States, and we grew up during my childhood with the Terminator and Skynet. <laughs> and people are definitely afraid of machines taking over. I just got back from a really great economic mission trip to China. And of course, China is known as mm-hmm. uh, very focused on artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a talk a few months ago I had talked about where Peter Thiel versus Reid Hoffman, um, one is a fan of AI and one is not, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Chinese were asking me, they have robots, they're asking me, you know, what is the marketplace for consumer robots in the United States? Mm-hmm. And they have one for pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I had said for certain use cases, people would not get trust a consumer robot because for what you just said, there's some fear. But I really like what you talked about is that technology, all technology can, can be used for good or bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think about today, a lot of where we think about autonomous vehicles or mm-hmm. drones that are being used in everyday applications are already being used for very good purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had just had um, a call for code event, a nonprofit where we were looking at software solutions for disaster mm-hmm. relief Mm-hmm. and incident management. Almost everything had an AI component to mm-hmm. it. So given all that, how do people get comfortable with this technology? How do they actually embrace it? What is Humans for AI? What's th- How do they get people on board? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the fundamental things is AI to tends to be locked on a lo- lot of buzzwords that doesn't make sense to a computer, non-computer science person, machine learning, deep learning, NLP. And re- in reality, the thing is, it can be explained in simple terms. Unless you are inventing the next uh, big supercomputer or you're developing the next machine learning algorithm, I think, you know, it's really being able to explain how a brain processes information and acts on it. I'm obviously oversimplifying it. But if you when you read an article about AI, if you're able to understand the crux of the technology, I think it's more relatable. It is something then that you are aware of and act on. And the reality is that we already have AI everywhere around us. I mean, you're carrying AI in your pocket. I mean, it's there, right? And it's been there for a few years. It's just that it's getting more and more advanced. And I hear you on, you know, you hear the good and the bad. I do think, though, that the hype to a certain extent is justifiable because if we are not aware of the bad that this technology can be programmed to do, we won't take enough steps. We won't put the right guardrails in place to make sure that the technology doesn't go rogue or that bad actors are not um, training the technology like you took the example of Microsoft's chatbot, right? Uh, uh, And today, um, it's a very elite group who understand all these buzzwords. So what Humans for AI does is we go profession by profession. So for a financial professional, we would explain all the buzzwords around AI by using terminology examples from their domain. Meaning, we would use examples for compli- examples from compliance or fraud detection. How what, you know these are the steps that you would do, and this is what AI does and automates it. And by the way, this is what that's what is supervised learning, or that's what is unsupervised learning. So instead of starting with what is machine learning, you start with this is an example of how you process things. You know, explain it in that specific domain language. 
And we do the same for, you know, nurses and we do the same for marketing professionals using examples from that specific domain to explain it. Yeah, I um I like what you said, especially in cybersecurity and cyber risk, there is a uh, thought-provoking hypothesis that you have to have artificial intelligence in the next generation of these cyber tools because mm-hmm. it's the only way to keep up with bad actors. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the startups that I'm mentoring um, at these incubators, uh, especially in what we call the concept of Enterprise 2.0. So Enterprise 2.0 are next generation customer relationship management, HR applications, uh, workforce enablement. All of them will have an AI component because that's just where um, we have to head. Yeah, and the the simplest way to think about it is anything that you do today that is repeatable and that's mundane work for you that really bores you is something that AI should be doing even today, right? And then the next step is machine learning, which is a part of AI, which is really now, instead of you coding it, how do you make the program learn on its own? Almost like a newborn. Right. How do you train this uh, person to learn about the, uh, the his or her surroundings? And you're training AI systems to learn. Yeah, and I think um, that's such a good point. We should say it again. Artificial intelligence has to follow up with machine learning. Mm-hmm. And without it, there's really not the ability to aggregate mm-hmm. the data, then analyze the data, and then synthesize the data. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to be continuously training these systems to get better and better. And I would bring it up to, uh, I won't I won't actually say which one because they leapfrog each other, but let's think about translation services. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the two biggest players in translation service, one um, claims to leapfrog the other one. But really what it is is that in the context of being able to translate from one language to the other one. We're way past the point where um, I know one of the inventors for translation services said that they had a company-wide meeting in PowerPoint, and it instantaneously translated the text into 60 languages. Yep. But it didn't have the context. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the machine learning comes in, is that there's people who continuously tune what these phrases are in their native language, and as the machine gets smarter, quote-unquote smarter, that it will then know the next time it comes across these contextual elements of what the translation should be. Yes, exactly. And that's the power of machine, being able to uh, look through massive amounts of data and drive insights. And eventually what I see AI doing is becoming a tool in all of our you know, pockets in our arsenal, which we can use to make our own lives better. So once again, um, I'm joined by Bina Amanath, who's the Global VP of AI, Big Data, and IoT for HP Enterprise as well as the founder and CEO of Humans for AI, a nonprofit that's purpose-built to empower people, especially women and minorities, to grasp artificial intelligence as a tool. And if you have any questions or comments, email at info at svin.biz. I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo, joined with Bina Amanath, Global VP of AI, IoT, and Big Data for HP Enterprise, and the founder and CEO of Humans for AI, a nonprofit. So as I was traveling, I'm a little bit late for the cyber tip of the week, 
But here are the five settings in iOS 12 that you should change right now. One, turn on USB restricted mode to make it very difficult for hackers and police if you're so worried to get into your system. It'll automatically lock after one hour. Make sure your automatic iOS updates are always turned on. Set a very strong device passcode. If you haven't done it yet, switch to two-factor authentication. And I'll just tell you right now, if you are an Apple and an Amazon user without getting into how they each have their authentication processes, definitely have two-factor authentication for both. And finally, change your reuse passwords. And that's the tip of the week. So once again, I'm joined with Bina Amanath, CEO and founder of Humans for AI and Global VP of Artificial Intelligence, IoT, and Big Data for HP Enterprise. So thanks again for being here, Bina. Thank you. So Bina, I think it's very appropriate, given we're talking about Humans for AI, um, especially focused on empowering women and minorities. What's your personal journey? How's your story like, and how did you get here? <laughs> Yeah, it's. I don't think uh, Keith, I ever planned for a journey like this. Um, so I have, uh, I have studied computer science, bachelor and master in computer science, and then did some uh, MBA as well. And I've always been fortunate enough to be in the data space. I have. I've I've just seen this whole space evolve right from the time like I've done assembly language programming and my first database I think was DBase and FoxPro so Axel these are I don't think these databases even exist anymore but have seen when it was very expensive to store data it was very expensive to process data it was nearly impossible to process the kind of data that we process today um, I did, uh, you know, so initially it was data analysts, DBA, rose through the ranks, uh, random uh, data team. And what I've seen is this space has evolved so much, right? We started from transactional database systems, then came data warehouses and business intelligence. And now then came the wave of big data and data science. And now it's all about AI and machine learning. But if you look back at it, AI was something that existed even when I was studying except that you couldn't try out a lot of the things that you could. Like back in the early 90s, even personalized marketing mm -hmm. was considered impossible, too futuristic. Forget about you know self-driving cars. Even personalized marketing, I remember having those discussions, was not possible, not doable. And today it's all real. So... You know, I think having seen how this technology has evolved actually makes me more of an optimist because having seen these technology waves, I know that humans are way, way smarter. And we, you know, I don't think technology can take over all of us. It's going to help us become better humans. Um, in terms of my journey, I think having been in that technical path, growing through the leadership ranks has really helped me balance out understanding the technology as well as being a leader and now helping helping teams reach the business goals. The, having that balance between computer science and a business degree has actually, I think, come into play the, uh, you know, the more I grow as a leader. Um, for me, this Humans for AI is really at that point where I feel, um, you know, it's about giving back. It's about making a difference to uh, by combining two of the things that I love the most, AI, technology, data, and also being able to do good. 
Yeah, and I think that's great. This year's uh, one of our themes is technology for good. And um, I think it'd be interesting to go through the story behind the actual name Humans for AI. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's dumb. Uh, it, they were, you know, when I was brainstorming for um, ideas on what to name it, I knew it was about building AI products and getting content ready f- to educate non-computer science people about AI with the focus on women and minorities. And we were looking at AI for good, you know, good AI. There were a number of options. And I just felt, you know, we need to show a stronger connection between humans and AI. You hear about a lot about how AI is being built for humans but you know we also need more humans involved in the development of AI yeah and I, I think just to summarize what we had talked about in the earlier segments we had talked about how there's always this notion of systemic biases like confirmation biases in humans in systems and we humans are behind the programming of these systems and so if you aren't very aware that you have your own biases you will program those biases into these systems also, Humans for AI in terms of empowering um, people into the education of artificial intelligence, especially women and minorities. Um, I want to congratulate you again for being named Woman of the Year in Business or in Data Analytics um, from UC Berkeley. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and what better person such as yourself to actually start this concept of Humans for AI? So what are some of the applications that Humans for AI is, are working on? Yeah, so there's a big focus on content, and we do it by vertical. We've already completed some, uh, you know, the content for marketing professionals. So a marketing professional can go in and check and read up. And so there are three steps. The first step is, you know, we uh, we train you enough so that when you read a news article about AI, you understand what that means. It could be using any of the buzzwords that exist, deep learning or you know, sentiment analysis. It explains it in simple terms. The second seg- segment is really around uh, educating you about AI products in your field. So if you're a marketing professional, you all want to think about it, the Gartner for marketing. Yeah. So all the AI products, that AI uh, startups that exist in your field. So if you want to continue in marketing, you're still you know, empowered because you know about AI and you know about how AI is used in your field. And then the third segment, now after you finish the first two, the third step is after this, if you feel very strongly, you come up with a great idea of um, you know, starting your own company or you know, a product idea for marketing product that you want to now get into the technical space. That's where we partner with other entities where you can take on a product management class or project management class or an agile coach or any of these, right? Where now you have a clear path to join a tech company. That's great. Are there any qualifications or prerequisites to get started? High school. Okay. We are also partnering with um, uh, um, uh, an organization called Projectile X. And they have they are an entre- entrepreneurial uh, nonprofit focused on educating high school students about uh, becoming starting their own business, and we're partnering with them to be able to take AI to more high school students because I think you know our kids are studying for jobs which don't exist today, yes. most of them. Or even if they're choosing to become a doctor, it is more of, you know, they'll, they'll be using tools which, won't, which are not being taught in schools today, right? So I think I personally believe that programming or coding as we know it today is going to change drastically in the next four to five years. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I recently had a guest on uh, Willie Tejada, who is the chief developer advocate at IBM. And he had put out um, a thought-provoking question, which was he thinks that, uh, just like we take foreign languages in school, mm-hmm. that a software development language will be vital to a well-rounded um, student. Mm-hmm. And that just like you take a foreign language, you take a coding language, that will then help you be wired, so to speak, in being able to take on jobs that don't exist yet, mm-hmm. but will exist tomorrow. Uh, following your optimism around AI, there's this fear about how many jobs will be lost from AI. But there's actually another calculation that says that more jobs will be created because of AI, because mm-hmm. there'll still be the people that need to do the interaction, do the interpretation, and actually apply that AI still into something. Yeah, and jobs that we cannot even think about today, right? All these AI, uh, AI systems need maintenance, need that feedback, need performance reviews, so to speak. So, you know, one job that uh, you know, I've been uh, the hearing about a lot is a chief people officer or a chief HR officer for AI. Because just like humans... They need their review. They need that feedback. They need maintenance. And somebody needs to look at it more on how do you nurture this AI. That's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've done a lot of shows on blockchain. <laughs> and this is really an artificial intelligence show. But the tie-in is that uh, groups that I'm working with were thinking about blockchain in terms of reputation management. And mm-hmm. reputation management goes to anything, not just people. It goes into devices. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring up a chief people officer for AI, this concept that a machine, a system, a program, a virtual device can have its own reputation, mm-hmm. can have its own criteria for performance and KPIs. Mm-hmm. That's something that people never think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things you had talked about were how to ask questions in relation to this process. Why don't you speak a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, you know, I think today people mostly ask the wrong question. Is my job going to go away? What should I be learning? What, you know, it, it's a question coming out of a place of fear. I think the right question is, you know, how does Siri work or how does Alexa work? And what data is it capturing? Yeah. You know, what can you do with that data? Now, technologists like you and me know what can be done with that data. But there's a huge population that doesn't understand it. And as this AI technology becomes more pervasive, I think there's, you know, that awareness is the crucial part for them to ask the right questions. To be able to know that when you are driving an autonomous car, every data point is going to be captured. Right. And it could be evaluated for different things, right? And that impact of what could be done with that data, it's it's an unknown today, right? And I think the questions should be more about uh, understanding the technology and asking those questions to prevent some of these bad bad things happening. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that technology, oftentimes people fear technology, but the best way to overcome that fear is you don't have to embrace the technology, but you should be educated and aware. Mm-hmm. Using the same example about autonomous vehicles or even AI for non-autonomous vehicles where you're still driving the car, knowing that every data point can be collected, will be collected, and that it can be used to uh, make things safer, alter behaviors, change driving patterns. Um, that, whether you fear it or not, that can be very powerful. It can it can help improve your driving record, reduce your insurance costs, mm-hmm. and it can be applied not just to driving but to healthcare as well. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Bina, again, I thank you for being here. I don't want anyone to go away because we're going to close the show. Um, Keith Koo, Silicon Valley Insider, joined with Bina Amanath, CEO and founder of Humans for AI. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. And I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. It's Keith Koo, Silicon Valley Insider. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined with Bina Amanath, who is the Global Vice President of Artificial Intelligence, Internet of Things, and Big Data for Hilla Packard Enterprise, as well as the founder and CEO of Humans for AI. Bina, it's been great to have you today. Thank you, Keith. It's been a pleasure. So, you know, we've talked so much about artificial intelligence how Humans for AI is really empowering education, especially for those who don't really get access to technology as often, women and minorities. Mm-hmm. We, we earlier were talking about the fear associated with artificial intelligence, movies like The Terminator. Mm-hmm. So a burning question is, in spite of these systemic biases, confirmation bias in humans, that artificial intelligence is simply trained by their programmers, can AI actually be, be programmed to defend itself against these things? Uh, I think so. I think, yes, it can be. It is, it's not easy. It's a hard problem to solve. But if we can think about every potential scenario where AI can be trained to go rogue and put in those guardrails, then yes. And that's why I think it is so important to have the domain experts involved in designing and building the AI products. If you build a healthcare AI product without involving a healthcare professional, there is no way a data scientist or a computer scientist is going to be aware of all the nuances around how it could be used in a negative way. But if you have a healthcare professional who is actually trained in the domain, in healthcare, that person can guide. And you know, I think that's the closest we can get to, to making sure that that AI cannot be trained by a bad actor later on. Thank you. And do you think then that, uh, as Elon Musk fears, mm-hmm. that AI will eventually dominate the world? Do you have that concern? By the way, I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk, but uh, I do think AI is going to dominate the world, but not the way he is putting it. I think it's going to dominate the world in terms of it's going to become one of those indispensable tools in all of our hands. So it's going to empower more humans to become more human. If 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 AI can take over all our boring and mundane tasks, we can do all the creative and fun things we want to do. So in that way, I think AI is going to dominate our world, but not as a dictator, but more as empowering humans. Well, that's great. You're an optimist. <laughs> so thinking about that, being an optimist in Humans for AI... How do people engage with Humans for AI? How do they get started with the platform? How do they partner with you? Mm-hmm. So there are s- several levels to partner. Uh, one is, firstly, visit our website, humansforai.com. And if you have time, we would love to have you as a volunteer, especially if you are not a computer science expert. We need to be able to explain uh, AI concepts in simple terms. Uh, we are also looking for companies to partner with. To uh, where we need help in developing AI products that are specifically focused on explaining AI to non-computer science people. So both companies and individuals can help. We're always looking for support and funding too. Well, that's great. 
And then with the few minutes we have left, what are some of the forecast or predictions you have in the artificial intelligence market? Because, I mean, you, you definitely think beyond what the average person thinks, and you have this great optimism about you. What do you think is on the horizon? I am most excited about what AI can do for us in healthcare and in education. I mean, AI is going to be prevalent in all all the industries, but healthcare, because just making healthcare accessible to all. And the same with education, making education accessible to all. And I'll give you an example, Keith. I believe that there is an 80-year-old woman somewhere in a remote part of Africa who has the cure for cancer in her head. Mm. But she has not been able to take it out to the world because she didn't have the right education and access to the right uh, people to be able to get that cure out. And so we are stuck. But if AI can make education accessible to all, I think we're going to see so much more solutions in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy you, you bring that up. We've had guests on, such as Jonathan Nelson of the Hack Fund, and his hypothesis is similar in terms of capital raising, mm-hmm. that there are just there are Silicon Valleys all over the place. Mm-hmm. And there are Silicon Valleys that are yet, not yet even named Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are in places like Honduras and Chile and Nicaragua. And that the ability to get the idea, to get the empowerment, to get the funding, he's tokenizing venture capital. Um, mm. I think we're at a period in history where all these things are converging mm-hmm. in order to get that untapped talent. Agree, agree. I couldn't agree more. So I'm very excited about the future we have in, ahead of us. So that's a fascinating point you make about the 80-year-old woman out in Africa, right? Because we're used to startups. We're used to this Mm -hmm. kind of even Silicon Valley has a structure. What would be the empowerment model for the woman with the the 80-year-old woman with the idea? How would she bring that to market? Yeah. And, you know, and it's really, you know, it's a figurehead. But what I was trying to say is if we can make education accessible to all, I know people, I've seen people who just don't have access to the education due to economic conditions or you know, remoteness. I think the mobile and internet wave have already addressed some of that, but we have not uh, made education truly accessible or personalized, right? So if we can make it more personalized by using AI and getting some of these ideas up front, I think that will be the most impactful AI use. Exactly. And I can think of how we extend that example out where um, we have a situation back in other countries where they have to go through middle people to sell Mm -hmm. agricultural goods through intermediaries, but they already are trying to do price discovery through mobile phones. Mm -hmm. But if you can actually empower that with artificial intelligence, it'll make that process much faster and much fairer. Mm I agree. So Bina, thanks again for being here. Love to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me and I would love to be back. So once again, if you want to have any Questions or comments about what you heard about today for artificial intelligence or Bina and how to get a hold of her humans for AI, email us at info at svn.biz and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 